Right, welcome everybody. We're going to get started on time because we have some great information uh, to get to from Starbucks about being a welcoming church. I'm so glad that you're with us this morning. Thanks for getting up early. If you, if you brought a Starbucks cup, I have a gift for you. Uh, no, I actually don't. I should have brought coffee. <laughs> so uh, I have a little disclaimer that I need to make. Uh, I actually had this class planned, titling and everything before Howard Schultz decided to run for president. So if you are uh, thinking this is political, then you're in the wrong class. Um, this is all about being welcoming. Uh, however, Howard Schultz did understand the power of being a welcoming people. And so I'll talk a little history about um, him and sort of how Starbucks uh, can sell a 50 cent cup of coffee, what used to be 50 cents for what did I pay this morning? $4.55. So, and that was without extra syrup, by the way. Um, so, a little bit about myself. My name is uh, John Reed, and I've been the minister at the Hilltop Church of Christ for 23 years now. Actually, in 1953, my grandfather planted the church, and I, my family and I would not have, have gone had we... Yeah, come on in. In a guest relations class, I always take note of the last seats to be filled in are the same as in church, right? Right here. Well, and the tallest people always sit in the front. Yes, that's all right. My daughter. Okay. Great. A little out of your way here. Hi. Welcome. Welcome. Come on in. I see your Okay. So, um... The, the Hilltop Church of Christ in El Segundo, we are a stone's throw from the Los Angeles International Airport, literally. And uh, I've had family in El Segundo since 1942. At, at one point, um, the church had dwindled down to 11 people in attendance on a good Sunday. They were renting their building out to the reorganized Latter-day Saints <coughs> just to keep the doors open. And our family moved down to work with the church because my grandfather was there and it, had, they had asked, hey, could you come and help us uh, see if we can't revive and get things going. So if you're a part of a small church looking for revival or if you're a part of a large church uh, looking to grow and reach the community and begin to have uh, evangelism again, this is a great class uh, for you to be in because... Being a welcoming church is the foundation for outreach. Being, you cannot grow without guests, right? You, you just can't. So we came, the church was 11 in attendance, and the leadership said, all right, what do we do? How do we uh, begin to grow? And I said, I don't have a clue. I don't know. But I said, let's just pray and see what God has in store. And so we prayed. And pretty much within a week, God put on our heart to be a welcoming church. One word came to mind, welcome. Be the most welcoming church on the planet. And so, hello, come on in. I think we're out of seats. I apologize for that. We got a couple here. Dave, you might be able to find a couple chairs in, in the hallway there. I don't know. See if we can fit some others in. So we, we said, okay, we're going to be welcoming, we're going to love people, and 
A long story short, if we have time later on, I'd like to tell you more of the details of this story. But we had a young lady come who had been addicted to methamphetamines for half of her life. She became a Christian. I'll tell you the details later. But she became a Christian and she started inviting all of her friends who were drug addicts. And so within, I would say, a year, we baptized 25 recovering addicts. And that was the last people that we expected God was going to send to us. That was not on our radar. I think God says, you want to be a welcoming church? You're going to really welcome people? Then I'm going to test you in this. And so, but this was the group. And, and I'm so thankful for how God moved through those recovering addicts and their families. And our elderly, our elderly women were the best. 80 and 90 year olds would sit next to Jerry Beasley. He did time next to Charles Manson. He was in jail more than out of jail. And, and our ladies would just sit and pet him, pet his hair, and tell him that they love him, it's going to be okay. He was tattooed from head to toe, all right? Piercings everywhere. It's like, I think that first 25 people, they, they had piercings in their eyebrows, and you know, they do that now, but I mean, they looked like they fell down a flight of stairs with an open tackle box, basically. <laughs> I mean, lures hanging everywhere. But that's who God called us to welcome. Now, that may not be who... God calls you to welcome to your church. What type guests are coming? I think to get the most out of our 45 minutes together, you've got to do something. Take off your Church of Christ insider glasses and look at welcoming from the first time you've ever come to a church. Say you haven't been to church in 20 or 30 years. Look at welcoming from that perspective. And that's going to help you understand what a guest Sees, okay a little bit well by the way we, we grew from 11 to 22 from 22 to 50 from 50 to 100 from 100 to 200 we god was bringing revival through one important attribute of god and that is welcoming right god is a welcoming god and we need to be a welcoming people and I'm honored and humbled now to work for the past 20 years with dozens and dozens of churches of Christ, all different sizes, from over 1,000 in attendance to 25 in attendance, on creating systems to be a welcoming people because God is a welcoming God. Now, what does that have to do with Starbucks? I was on sabbatical. I say probably about 10 years ago, and I was at Barnes & Noble, and I had heard a discussion at a Zoe conference on Starbucks and the acronym EPIC, and I'll go through that in, in your notes in just a moment, um, Epic, being, having an EPIC welcome, and I'll tell you what that means. But because I was in Barnes & Noble and I saw this book, Pour Your Heart Into It, how Starbucks built a company one cup at a time. Howard Schultz. This is not a Christian book. Um, I believe he's Jewish, but this isn't about his Jewish face. This, this is about the story of Starbucks. <coughs> and as I poured through these pages, I could not put this book down. By the way, if you're in any type of business, this is a must read. Okay, If, if you're a leader in the business community, this is a must read. Okay, But I, as I started reading through this, 
I saw so many similarities with church and how we need to be a welcoming church. He got it. He trains it. He lives it. He models it. And I believe because they are so welcoming to people, that's how this church just flourished. So there's one recommendation. Must read if you want to kind of hear the deeper details of what I'm going to just highlight today. Also a book called The Starbucks Experience by Joseph A. Michelli, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-I. Five Principles for Turning Ordinary into Extraordinary. And that is a must read as, as, as well. David, I know you just read this. This is Dave Schultz, by the way. Dave had, was the minister at the Ventura Church of Christ for 30 years. Um, years before that, he preached at the church in El Segundo that I'm at. And he is now uh, partnering with me and working with churches as well. He has become an expert in guest relations. Okay, what is guest relations? What is a welcoming ministry? From the time someone would visit your website, by the way, which is the new front door for church growth, it's the website. Average person visits a website three times before ever coming to your church. So the website is the new front. Used to be, let's just drive by, see what it looks like, right? No longer, especially people that don't know Jesus. They're going to get on the web, they're going to read about you before they will ever come. So guest relations is time they would visit your website until being followed up with they become members of your <clears throat> church. Then after they become members, that would be assimilation, creating that sticky factor of how do you get them uh, plugged in to the church. So systems for welcoming, systems for greeting, and systems for follow-up is what we work with churches on. But I want you to understand that's a foundation of outreach and evangelism. Don't have guests, you cannot grow. But I want to root this in God's Word. Because some people say, well, why do you have greeters? And why shouldn't you just be welcoming? Well, you should be a welcoming people. But why do you have evangelistic <coughs> programs and you know, teach people how to evangelize? It's because we just have to be more intentional about welcoming people because we've got on our inside glasses instead of our outsider glasses. So let's get those outsider glasses on, but let's do it rooted in God's Word. So if you have your handout, you'll see some fill-ins for you. Why is being a welcoming church so important? And number one is God is a welcoming God. And I want you to write down Romans 15... Verse 7 says this, Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So why are we a welcoming people? Because Christ has welcomed us. What is your motivation for a welcoming ministry at your church? Because God has welcomed you. God is a welcoming God. Welcome others just as Christ has welcomed us. Number two Jesus said it is the most important thing. Is being welcoming important? Well, Jesus said there's nothing more important. Mark chapter 12, verse 29 through 31, I believe. 28 through 31. Where Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your 
neighbor as yourself. There's nothing more important than this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. The most important thing. Three, Jesus said it is a salvation issue. Now that gets a little, you know, scary when you hear that. Because we're always talking about what are salvation issues. Is this a salvation issue? That clearly this is a salvation issue because Jesus said it is a salvation issue to be a welcoming people. And that is found in Matthew chapter 25, 34 through 46. And I won't go into the entire story, but you remember Jesus is separating the sheep from the goats, right? When we get to heaven, we're going to be separated sheep from the goats. And what determines who will go in to heaven versus who will not make it into heaven? Verse 34 says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a what? stranger and you invited me in Amen. welcoming guests is welcoming a stranger into our midst how will we welcome the stranger in their language rather than our language because it's not about us right a lot of churches church is all about us we come together, we love to be together, we've been worshiping there, we love our church, we love the people at our church, and so we just talk to us, and we can't wait to see us and each other, and we're comfortable with each other. But we don't know what to do with that guest, that stranger, that doesn't look like us, talk like us, smell like us, act like us, have the insider language like us. How do we welcome them? How do we walk in their shoes? How do we create systems, healthy systems, to welcome them and follow up with them? So he says, I was a stranger, you invited me in, I needed clothes, you clothed me, I was sick, you looked after me, I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then he talks about the goats, and it gets pretty ugly, right? When, when did we do this? When did we, when, they say, when did we not do this? Well, when you didn't welcome me in, you didn't do this. And therefore you will be cast out, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you think Jesus takes this seriously? Absolutely. Very seriously. It is a salvation issue. And then I said before, you can't grow without guests. That seems obvious. But it's true and we just need to recognize that. And let me, let me tell you, we have fewer and fewer guests coming to churches in our culture today. And that's no surprise to any of you. There's research coming out in the churches of Christ. We are tanking. We're closing at least two churches a week. Our attendance is plummeting, not on a slope. It is, and, all, and we're not alone in that. So we have to be intentional and good stewards with the guests that God is sending. We have to be. And it's not just about welcoming guests because... If you don't live a welcoming life during the week, it's really hard to welcome guests on Sunday. So this is a heart issue. It's about being a welcoming people from the heart. So we have to be intentional, welcoming, and have systems 
that teach us, train us, and help us know what it looks like to be welcoming to the guests. And then five, because God welcomed you. Leviticus 19, 33 through 34 is a fundamental passage. This is actually the passage that we read when we had been there two weeks that God just convicted us to be a welcoming people. So Leviticus 19, 33 and 34 says, When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. You can underline that. Do not mistreat the stranger or foreigner or some translations say alien. I don't like that one. Because <laughs> of that movie was 70s, you know, where the thing jumps out of the heart. And, uh, yeah. So, strangers, alien, when a guest resides among you, don't mistreat them. And by the way, what do you think the number one way we mistreat guests is? Ignore them. It's the number two way. And, and you do not want to ignore them. Have you ever been to a church that you were traveling out of town and you, you look up a church and you go and you walk in and nobody even says hello to you? Have you had that experience? I can't tell you how many people have had that experience. And I don't think people's hearts are in the right place. I just don't think we're aware. We have to raise the awareness. We have guests in our presence. Don't mistreat them. Number two way is to ignore them. Number one way is to single them out. Now, this research is not me. This is Tom Rainer's research, T-H-O-M, Tom Rainer. He has a free blog, and you can get tons of information on, on being welcoming. He actually just came out with a new book, uh, Being a Welcoming People. Tom Rainer, Gary McIntosh uh, from the Church Growth Institute with uh, Fuller, um, and some of the new people who are writing on this are Will Mancini, and again, you can get a lot of information from them online. What Dave and I do is work with churches to deliver that information in a way that your church culture will embrace it and know how to live it out. Because you can get material online, but you know, and it's good material, but you bring it to your church and they don't have the leadership or the capacity or the skills to deliver that to their culture. So being from the Churches of Christ all of our lives, um, you know, we're able to deliver and teach and train and build teams uh, so that we really know how to be welcoming. So, uh, five, because God's welcoming God. But this verse, a little bit more, he says, do not mistreat the guests, which would mean to single them out. Hey, so-and-so's here from, well, stand up, will ya? <laughs> if, or if you're a guest with us this morning, stand up. They hate that. They, they want to come in, they want to sneak in inconspicuously, sit in the back, sit in an aisle for a quick escape. They don't want to sit here for sure, right? They're just checking you out. Don't point them out. So that's how we mistreat them. Verse 34, when a foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native form. Love them as you love yourself. There's the most important thing Jesus said, the greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Why? Well, you were foreigners once yourselves in Egypt. You have all been a guest for the first time at a church if you're going to a church. We've all been foreigners to God. Amen? Amen. Now think about that. We were aliens to God until we knew Jesus Christ. We were foreigners to God. But God has welcomed us into a relationship with Him. And that is a model we need to welcome the foreigners. Because we want them to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Which is what this is all about. We want them to come to know 
Jesus. <clears throat> love Him as you love yourself. And then He says, I'm the Lord your God. In other words, if you don't think this is important, this is God talking here. It's me. This is important, church. So, if guests don't come, uh, think you're friendly, you're not. <laughs> Write that down. If guests don't think you're friendly, you're not. Because we've done this, you know, in dozens of churches. Every church we go in, what, <laughs> tell me a great quality. We're the most friendly church in the <clears throat> world. And I believe you. But that's from an insider perspective. So if a guest doesn't think you're friendly, you're not friendly. And then Acts chapter 8 is an amazing... Uh, Acts chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. This is in your handout as well. We don't have time to go through this. But here's the situation. Paul washes up on shore. He's shipwrecked. He's bit by a snake, right? Uh, they think, you know, he's a demon or something because he's bit by the snake. When he goes to warm himself by the fire, he shakes off the snake. Nothing happens to him. They think he's a god, right? And then they start to welcome. Go through this passage sometime today and look how they welcomed Paul at this fire. What I want you to understand is that it, I think it's translated islanders. I, the islanders welcomed us. That word can actually be translated barbarians. The barbarians welcomed us. And I would say, church, can we be at least as welcoming as the barbarians? Now, you could say non-Christians, those who don't know the Lord, they know how to welcome, which is why... I think God wants us to learn from the barbarians, and I'm not saying they're barbarians at Starbucks. I love Starbucks, but they don't know the Lord. Can we at least be as welcoming as those who don't know the Lord? We should be the most welcoming place on the planet. Not the most judgmental place, not the most prideful place, which is what non-Christians think we are, but we're the family of God. We should welcome everyone in the name of Jesus. So, Acts 28, 1 through 10. So, there's that feeling. Can we at least be as welcoming as the barbarians? All right, now, let's talk about Starbucks. EPIC is the acronym. <coughs> the, the E stands for experience. Experience. In fact, I'll just give you these and then we'll break them down. E is experience. P is participatory, I is imagery, C is community. Those are the principles that allowed Starbucks stock to go from nothing to multiply like 1600%, and it's all about being welcoming. So let's think about experience for a moment. How do we sell a dollar cup of coffee for $4. You don't buy a cup of coffee. You don't go to Starbucks typically for a cup of coffee because you could go to the Chevron and get same coffee. Say, but it's not as good. No, it's not about taste. Now, they do take quality seriously, but it is about the experience. So, let's translate that to guess. Guess it's not just about going to church. It's about an experience in Jesus Christ. It's about an experience with God's people. When they come, from the time they visit the website, 
till the time they come and worship with you, get up and leave, and you follow up with them over four significant steps over the course of three months, and they become there. This is an experience. So don't look at it as just a one-time guest that comes to church. We have to create a welcoming environment. That could be an E-word as well. Or a welcoming experience for the guests. You have to think of this holistically. P, the participation. So Starbucks, again, it's an experience. So they are looking at everything from music to to what you see at eye level when you walk in, to everything being perfectly packaged, to creating an environment where if you want to hang out and sit down, you can just hang out with these comfortable seats and just be there from the people who greet you and welcome you and smile at you. It's an experience. But participation is important. And so, if, if you go to Starbucks, did you know you can choose over 100,000 options for your one coffee drink? A hundred thousand options, probably more than that now because they've added a ton since this book was written. So you want to mess with their minds, I do this every once in a while. Oh, a little weird part of me, but I go in and I ask for a cup of coffee. If you ask for a cup of coffee at Starbucks, they have failed their mission. They fail. So I go in just to try this and, and so I'll stand in line and I'll say, hi, I'd like a cup of coffee. They don't know what to do. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. And so last time I did it, the person in line behind me like, felt bad for me, so they tried to help me. And so they say, no, you've you got to order like a tall or a grande. And I'm like, tall, tall, what's the tall? That's the small. I'm like, the tall is small? Wait a minute. You know, confusing me. You know? And you've got to tell them what you want in it, right? And so after I mess with them for a little while, I say, I would like a single shot caramel grande latte with whip. Okay, they're like, hey. What? Participation. So think about being a welcoming church through the eyes of participation because the sooner you have participation from a guest, the sooner they will assimilate and become members of the church. We wait way too long to get people plugged in. You have to have pathways, pathways for guests to be plugged in, active, and become a part of that church before even becoming Christians. Now, a sore spot with some churches that we go to. Well, they have to believe the right things before they belong. I'm going to reverse that, and we can talk about it after class if you don't like that. All right? I'm going to say they need to know they belong before they believe. They need to know they are welcomed into our community before they are converted. Community before conversion. Okay? But it's that participation. So, hey, what do we have in our worship service or when they get there that allows for participation. Well, you might have a welcome booth. You don't force them to go to the welcome booth. You don't take the welcome booth to them, but if they see a nice welcome booth, they have the choice of whether they want that welcome booth or not. The millennials, 30s and under, anything that says system to them, they react against. They don't want system because they don't trust system and they shouldn't trust system, why? Because systems in America have failed. And they know it. Politics has failed, at least at one level. Education has failed at one level. And church has failed at one level, especially if they're looking at what they hear in the news about, you know, the Catholic Church. That's what they think. Christians are Catholic. It's the way they think. 
Maybe not so much in America. There's some Protestant, right? Okay? So, um, giving them choices like, hey, we have congregational singing. Right? I, I love that. We sing a cappella and we do it together. You know, we'd love for you to participate. They don't know they're supposed to sing. They don't understand that. We'd love for you to participate in the singing. If you would like to honor and believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then you could participate in communion. They don't know what communion is. You have to explain. Just little sentences to explain what is communion. So there's all these different ways that they could participate. (coughs) Think through your response. Your response to your worship experience and response to the message. Because the old responses aren't working as well as they used to, where come down in front of 50 to 1,000 people and sit on the front row. A guess is definitely not going to do that. But you could think through, are there ways they could respond on a little card? Could they respond? We have uh, times where we invite people to come up and, and make a commitment <coughs> of putting like a, a card in a plate or nailing something to, the, to a cross that's up front where if they want to come up, they can come up. And I'm surprised at how many guests actually come up if you invite them. But you've got to be creative about participation. Okay? Imagery. Now, this is key. <coughs> if you go into Starbucks, they are meticulous about imagery. They are meticulous about how they have packaged their coffee and sealed their coffee to have what they believe is the best cup of coffee created. They have service opportunities available in Starbucks. Have you noticed that? Can you think of any ways to serve or give at Starbucks? <coughs> okay, so go in and just check. If you buy this music CD, we will donate a dollar to uh, uh, against trafficking. If you buy this cup of water, what's their water called? Ethos, right? Which means what? Comes from the Greek. Uh, I thought I'm testing myself now. Uh, maybe it's Hebrew, but like, uh, what's that? It's Greek. Greek meaning ethos is man, right? The ethos or the okay? I shouldn't have asked that. <laughs> but, but my point was, you buy that cup of coffee, and they. They give a dollar of that, you see? So they found ways not only for you to buy coffee, you're experiencing and you're giving and you're serving. And guess what people want to do, whether they're Christians or not in our culture today? They still want to serve. So how do we as churches provide opportunities for people to serve in the churches? But, you know, when you think about imagery, images... Well, who was it? The tennis player, right? Under Odyssey said, image is everything. I'm not saying image is everything, but image does matter. So what you do, you need to do with a spirit of excellence. If you're going to do it, and that's their motto, by the way, everything with excellence. Actually, they say everything matters because everyone matters. Could that be a mission for a church? By the way, they're stealing our stuff. Um, so, yeah, so, hey, look, I say cast out the AV demons, audiovisual demons, before church. How many times do you get there? And it's just like, they can get top-notch 
lessons and music and all the things like everything is done so well in our with social media today so we I'm, I'm not saying we can compete because we may not have the resources to compete but don't be lame right don't just be late be prepared you know be come come prepared for guests okay and then finally the one that really got me was community so experiential, participatory imagery, and <laughs> community. Let me read just a couple quotes from the book. Okay. This is Howard Schultz. Again, not a Christian, not a believer as far as I know. Americans are so hungry for a community that some of our customers begin gathering in our stores, making appointments with friends, holding meetings, striking up conversations with other regulars. And once we understood the powerful need for a third place, write that word down, we were able to respond by building larger stores with more seating. So what they found is people came in and they didn't just want coffee they enjoyed the experience of being there they enjoyed being with other people so much so that they put in chairs and you don't have to talk to other people but you have people with their laptops sitting there as many as the store can hold on their laptops doing their work maybe not even talking to the people around <coughs> them why are they there they could do that at home, okay? They could do that at the office. They're there because they want to be among other people. So that's good news for us. We have to be the type of people that they want to hang out with, though. Let's ask some hard questions. We have to be welcoming. We have to be loving. We have to be that community. And I, I think, I don't know about you, I just think the community of Christ has more to offer than Starbucks. <laughs> They also say this, more and more I realize uh, customers looking for a third place and inviting, stimulating, listen to this word, sometimes even soulful respite from the pressures of work and home. That needs to be the church. People come to Starbucks for a refreshing time out, a break from their busy days, a personal treat. Their visit has to be rewarding. If any detail is wrong, the brand suffers. And that's why we love the saying, everything matters. Everything matters. So it's seeking excellence, which I think in church, God would want us to do. So there's, there's just a ton to learn from Starbucks. Let me share a few other things with you. Again, we don't have time to go into too much detail here. Uh, five ways of being, and this is from the Starbucks experience, the uh, five principles for turning ordinary into extraordinary. Be a, obviously, a welcoming place. Being. Being a welcoming people. And God shows us what it means to be a welcoming people. Now, that word genuine, this is on the back of your hand out there. That word genuine, uh, you hear the word authenticity a lot, right? 
Okay, so here's the problem with any type of system. As soon as you put a program in place, it could lose authenticity because I'm just, uh, yeah. If, if people like do the gauntlet, <laughs> where, you know, at the parking lot, you got five people greeting them and glad you're here, glad you're here, glad you're here. And they just, like, especially if you're an introvert, you know, you just walk the right. gauntlet into church and everybody's got their badge on doing what they're supposed to do because they're on a greeting team. It loses authenticity, which is why I had to start with the why. Why this is so important. This is the heart of God. That person coming to your church for the very first time that hasn't been to church in 20 years may be an answer to someone's prayer that they've been praying for for 20 years. You don't know what Sunday they're going to show up. But they show up and they need Jesus. And we have to love them because God loved us. Even if they're different. So if you're a prideful person, if you gossip, if you're an addict, if you're materialistic, if you're same gender attracted, you're welcome in this place because God is a welcoming God. But together we're journeying to accept and become who God wants us to become. So write down John chapter 8 verses 1 through 11. It's not on your list. But you remember the story of the woman that was caught in adultery, right? And drag, she was used as a pawn to trap Jesus, right? And, you know, the, they go to stone her. What should we do, Jesus? He writes in the sand. And then he says, if you're, let he who's without sin cast the first stone at her. And they start to go away, oldest first, right? Okay? Let he who's without sin cast the stone at her. We have no right to be throwing stones at guests that don't know Jesus just because they don't know our traditions and what we do and how we talk in churches of Christ. And they don't know how to handle their kids. So we turn around and glare. And they don't know how to handle themselves in church. They haven't been to people we want to reach. They don't know how to behave and their children don't know how to behave in church. So we have to walk with them. And what Jesus said in John chapter 8 is, where are they, woman? Has anyone condemned you? No one, sir. Neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. He accepted her right where she was and then encouraged her to accept where God wanted her to be. So that, that became our mission. We accept people right where they are, regardless of sin, while helping each other accept where God wants us to be because that's what Jesus Christ has done. So I say that under genuine that we have to authentically love and care about people because they will see right through it. If you're just supposed to greet them, okay? So then they go through the gauntlet of everybody greeting them in the welcome booth and they sit in the pew and nobody says a word to them. Because we've done our system. And do we leave that person alone, untouched, without a smile, without the love of God? Genuine. Consider it, obviously, but consider it from a guest perspective, not from an insider perspective. Knowledgeable, being knowledgeable, we have to be knowledgeable about ourselves, knowledgeable about God, but we have to be knowledgeable about, about our guests and understand that our guests don't know a thing about church. They don't know what to do. They don't know if they're supposed to stand, when they're supposed to sit. They don't know where the bathrooms are. They don't know what's going on in that church, what's happening. They don't know a thing, and so what it does is it raises huge anxiety for them. Highest point of anxiety is when they walk through that front door. That's the threshold of anxiety. 
And by the way, research is showing they decide whether they'll come back to your church or not before they either enter the front door. That's just research. I'm not saying right or wrong, that's research. Before they ever walk through the front door, they decide whether they'll come back or not. Wow. So that's why we've got to go out. We've got to be intentional about welcoming them. And knowledgeable. So, again, you've got to tell them, what is communion? All right, how do they sing? How do they participate in the worship service? Let them know. And then involved. That's back to the sooner they involve, the more likely they will become a part of your church. So get, what do I love about guest relations is it is a low-level entry point for involvement in the church. If you can smile and say hi, you could be on the guest relations team. And they know what it's like to come in and not feel welcome or to feel welcome, so they've got that knowledge. Okay? So, involve. Plug them in. Find a pathway. Okay. Real quick. Uh, again, we don't have time to go over these things because I want to share a story with you. But everything matters because everyone matters. Pray for guests. Have the heart of God towards guests. Three top things guests are looking for. Inspiring worship and the emphasis on inspiring. If it is boring, it is a sin. Church is boring, it's a sin. Coming into the presence of God should be inspiring. We can't manufacture inspiring. It comes from the Holy Spirit of God. We just got to get out of God's way. Amen? You with me on that? God's inspiring. <laughs> right? Okay, so they look for three things. Then they look for child care. Safety and sanitary are the most important things for child care. Is my child going to be safe if I bring them here? You're not going to grow in families at all. You're not going to grow in families if it is not safe and sanitary. Not use licked, dirty, grody toys for the kids to play in in the, in the room. I've seen horrendous rooms when they walk Walk into the child care, it's like, I would not leave my child in there, especially with someone I don't know. So you got to have mandatory background checks. Mandatory. Why? Because church is the last safe place for predators in our culture today. Did you know that? Everybody, again, can we learn from culture? Sure, it's very biblical. Last safe place for predators is churches because we just welcome everyone. You have a responsibility to protect the children. Okay? And we can talk to you about how do you set systems up to do that. And then, of course, facilities. Are there cracks and weeds in the parking lot? Is the paint field uh, peeling? Does it smell when you go? Again, don't go, well, I'm just here. Right? As a member, I love these people. It's not about the building. Right? It's not about the building. But to the guests, it does matter. What's the building say? Does it smell? Does it look old? Does it feel old when people come in? All right. Anticipation for worship. Anticipation for guests being prepared. Seven website. Top thing you could do to start reaching out is have a, a top-notch website. And by the way, write this down. Website is not for members. Website is for guests. You develop your website with guests in mind. Eight. Cast out the AV demons ahead of time. Don't wait to try it out on a Sunday morning, five minutes before worship. Okay, and then greeting and follow-up. Greeting website to that second visit. We would love to talk to you about developing healthy systems for that, but we don't have time, obviously, this morning. Follow-up, a four-step follow-up 
uh, plan to turn guests into members. Do you have a plan for following? What are you doing to follow up with guests first visit, second visit, third visit? Are you tracking guests? Are you sending them, sometimes the least we do is send them a first-time letter. Are you focusing on first-time guests? Because 90% of guests who come a second time will assimilate with your church if followed up appropriately. 90% will become a part of your church. We focus on first-time guests. You gotta do something for first-time guests, but what are you doing for second-time guests? That's where 90% of your resources need to go, to the second-time guests, 90%. Time, talent, treasure, goes to that second time guess what time are we supposed to be done 930. I got 15 minutes okay um, so that second time guess needs to be your priority because they found something they like if they came back okay and how do you know if they're a second time or third time guess tracking you have to track what is your tracking system that you have in place for guests Average guests that come to a church across America on a Sunday morning is 5%. So 5% of your uh, average Sunday morning attendance should be first-time guests if you're reaching out and you're known in the, co the community. So if you're a church of 100, then that's 5 a Sunday. 5 times 52 would be over 250 guests in a year. That's a start. It's a start. And it could be higher than that. Actually, I say if followed appropriately, 95% of guests will join the church. Okay. So, let me come back, and then I want to, if you have any questions or thoughts, I'd, I'd like to hear. Um, let me come back to Lori Guerin. Lori Guerin calls me absolutely sobbing over the phone. Had not heard of our church, had not been to a church. She is weeping. I say, Lori, come on in. Again, we're about 20 now in attendance. I say, Lori, come on in. I could see your trouble. Let, let's talk. She comes into my office the next day. Again, just comes in sobbing, just brokenhearted. Finally, she, she breathes. I say, Lori, what's wrong? She says, I've been addicted to methamphetamines for half my life. If I don't get help, I'm going to lose my five-year-old daughter, Miranda. Can you help me? I said, absolutely, we can help you. Um, Jesus can help you. Let's, let's study God's word. Let's study about Jesus. She says, great. We set up an appointment uh, for the following Monday. But before Monday comes, I'm up here at Pepperdine, one block down, playing basketball with a bunch of friends. And uh, at the time, we had these things called pagers. We didn't have cell phones. <laughs> So um, I get this page, and I look, and I don't recognize the number. And so I go to my car. I did have a car phone. It's like this big, yeah. like, you know, like a case this big. You know. <laughs> so uh, I call on my car phone, and they say, this is the Los Angeles Police Department. We've arrested a young lady by the name of Lori Guerin, and she would like to turn custody of her five-year-old daughter over to you. I had met her one time but that's what drugs do drugs cut you off a lifetime of drugs sever you from so many relationships even family there was no one she trusted with her daughter but me and she'd only met me one time so i told the police absolutely 
will come down and I'll pick up Miranda. So I get in my car, I start heading to the LA courthouse about halfway there. I'm like, I better call my wife. <laughs> Just the thought. <laughs> so I call Becky. I said, hey, babe, we're going to have another child. She's like, no, we've had this conversation. Who's up? So I explained the situation to her. She says, of course, absolutely. I'll never forget getting to the courthouse, walking up a long flight of stairs into this big building, glass doors, walking through those glass doors and seeing Lori with her hand behind her back, handcuffed, sobbing, can't even wipe her own tears because she's handcuffed. And this precious little girl, Miranda, I had never met. And she's sobbing and doesn't understand. And I get down on my knees and I say, Miranda, um, I know your mom and we're going to love you. We're going to take care of you and we're going to be your family because your mom's done something wrong. She's going to go to jail for a long time. So we took Miranda home. We had a son, Zachary, five years old, um, same age. We took her in. Now, I'm going to fast forward. Long story short, I'd love to share the details, but Lori is let out of jail on a technicality, gets back with her daughter, Miranda, and starts studying about Jesus. She becomes a Christian. She's baptized into Jesus Christ and says, John, will you share Jesus with all my friends. You know how when you become a Christian, you're just fired up, right? Will you share Jesus with my friends? I said, absolutely, I'd love to. The thing was, her friends were all addicts, drug addicts. So she just took me around and introduced me to all of her friends. And within that one year, we baptized 25 recovering addicts. And the church is being tested. The church doubles in size that quick. But we are being tested. Will you be a welcoming people. We had to develop systems now to welcome them because they don't know how to even handle a checkbook. So we had our finance. See the, the, how God's providing opportunities for the whole church to come together. So, you know, we've got these CPAs that are helping them learn how to even balance a checkbook. Of course, we don't use checkbooks anymore, but, you know, this was years ago, right? And, and the church is just alive. And the church is starting, and they would get up to lead communion, some of these newly baptized addicts, right? And I'd just say, oh, Jesus, protect their words, please. Because <laughs> you never knew what was going to come out of their mouth. You're, what bomb were they going to drop from communion, right? But God's alive, and God's working through this one word. Be a welcoming people. And a turning point for us was when we realized that if we're going to accept people where they are and help each other accept where God wants us to be, guess where people aren't that don't know Jesus? They aren't in church. So if you set up all these amazing welcoming systems, you nail it, and they're all coming to you, okay? And you're going to welcome them, but, but you've got to go out and welcome people now if the church is going to grow. So I preached out of John chapter 8. We've got to get out there and we've got to welcome people because they're not coming to church. So let's go out and let's be a welcoming people. And everybody's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, I've got I to gotta live this out. If I'm preaching, I can live this out. So I was thinking, how can I welcome people out there? And so Fridays I would golf. But I would golf with the elders and the deacons. And we set up tea time. Every Friday we'd go golfing. So I said, I'm going to show up at the golf course and I'm going to not invite anybody. I'm just going to welcome whoever God brings into my life. And so I get in my car. I get to a laundry golf course. And I remember holding the wheel of the car saying, God, help me to welcome someone into my life today. In your name, Lord, help me to welcome someone. I get up to the tee and I pay my fee. I go up to the first tee and there's three guys. 
And this guy comes down at me and he's like, are you golfing with us today? You know, they, they want to be three, they don't want to be four. <laughs> but I'm trying, well, they, yeah, they set me up with you. He's like, are you walking? And I'm like, yeah, I'm walking. He's like, no, you're not. Get your blankety-blank rear in my cart right now. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I put my clubs in the cart, and I'm riding with this guy. He tees off, hits this horrible shank into the wood, starts cussing and throwing his clubs down. Then he gets into the cart. We go to the second hole, and the second hole, he pulls out a joint, starts smoking marijuana. He's like, you want to hit? I'm like, I didn't know what to say. I'm like, not today. Because <laughs> he doesn't know what I am. He doesn't know, he doesn't know who I am. I haven't told him I'm the minister. I'm just going to love him in the name of Jesus, right? Amen. So, all right. So he, long story short, smoking pot, drinking, smoke, smoking, cussing, just, you know, I'm kind of, all right, Lord, I see what you're doing, right? Okay. You're testing me. Am I going to be a welcoming person? We get to the 18th hole. I'm thinking, hallelujah, I made it through. And he's like, hey, you're my new blanket friend. You want to golf with me next Friday? <laughs> so, uh, but this time I bring recruits. I bring uh, two of our elders, myself. But I tell them, hey, he doesn't know I'm a Christian. Don't tell him what we do. Let's just love him in the name of Jesus. We're just going to welcome him. Not going to preach at him. So we tee off, start golfing. Uh, but I'm driving the cart this time. We get to the second hole. And Greg, his name's Greg Hero, he asked me the question. What question? What do you do? I says, I'm a minister. I've never seen this reaction before. He's like, oh! <laughs> He falls out of the car, <laughs> hits the ground. He's like, I was smoking pot. <laughs> get, get to the second hole. Dead silence on the green. Dead silence. Driving to the third hole. After this awkward silence. And he says, John, when I was five years old, my mom died in my arms. And I swore I would live in rebellion to God my entire life. And I have. But 30 days ago, I was arrested for a DUI again. And last Friday, I was in the shower. And I cried out to God. I said, God, I don't know if you're there. I don't know if you even exist. But if you do, could you send someone into my life today to show me you care? I was sitting in my car. <coughs> Praying the, the exact same time, God, could you help me to welcome someone into my life for your glory? God orchestrated this whole thing. And I think if we're a welcoming people, if we embrace being a welcoming people, God will orchestrate. He's already orchestrating. We have to step into it, church. We have to love people where they are. Greg comes to church. Again, I'm just fast forward. He sits in the back row, right about there. Second song in, he hadn't cried in 30 years. He just starts sobbing uncontrollably. Thinks he's going to be hit with light. <laughs> he does. Literally does. Francis Calhoun, 80 years old, sees him weeping. He goes over and just loves on him. Just there for him. 
He's baptized into Christ. His roommate's baptized into Christ. His roommate's son is baptized into Christ. And God is on the move again through this one attribute. Be a welcoming people. Because I have welcomed you. Because I'm a welcoming God. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you. I just want to thank you so much for each person that got up and came to this today, Lord. If they could just just remember how you have welcomed them while we were still sinners. Everybody here, while we were in our sin, you sent your son, Jesus, to die for us, Lord. May we welcome sinners into our churches because we, I, and first and foremost, forgive us, Lord, for not being more welcoming, for not being intentional about being welcoming. And I think, God, our hearts are in the right place. We just don't know how to welcome. We don't know how to put ourselves in, in the shoes of that first-time guest, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, because you put yourself in our shoes when you sent your son, Jesus Christ, in the flesh. In the flesh, John tells us. Incarnate into this world to welcome us. May we go incarnately and welcome stranger into our lives, God, for your glory. Thank you for this morning. Bless our time, Father, over this week. Revive us, Lord. Renew us. Restore us. Forgive us. And give us a vision for your church and your kingdom that welcomes the stranger into our midst. And follows up so that they would like to be part of your church, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank Amen. you. Thank you all for coming.